Welcome to Him for Her Radio, women's hot topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Suge Burry. What would happen if you say what you want to say? I am so thankful to be here today. You know why? Because God has given me a voice. And in this voice on radio, it's our obligation to bring things up when it's wrong. And justice is justice. We have to make sure that we're standing beside what Christ wants us to do. My name is Sugbury, and I am the host of the best radio show out there, which is Him for Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. And you know what today's hot topic is? This is part two of convicted for murder without committing the crime. You heard me right. You know, you can actually be convicted for murder where you were like a couple miles away, had nothing to do with it. We talk about it at length in the first part of our show. I have two guests here with me. I've got Tony Cater and Professor Mark Oslo. Osler. Osler. There, you know, I can't, I don't know why my lips just don't work in that area. So forgive me. Um, and we're just so blessed to have both of them here. We talked about their bio at the beginning of the first show. I really encourage you to listen in. Um, the professor is from the University of St. Thomas. And Tony is a mother of a daughter who's incarcerated currently. Um, but I do have a clip that I want you guys to listen to that explains what we're talking about. It's only a minute long. Hang in there. Keep working out on the treadmill. Keep doing that laundry. Keep doing whatever you're doing while you're listening to this because you need to understand what this is all about. Wow, so you guys are life. Life. This is me just a few months ago in San Quentin State Prison, California. I spent the last 16 years of my life in prison serving time for murder. That's right, murder. But the thing is, I didn't kill anyone. And don't just take my word for it. The judge, the prosecutor, and the jury in my case all agreed that I hadn't killed anyone. But they still sentenced me as the actual killer and put me in prison with 25 years to life. All right, I want to tell you about something called the felony murder rule. It's a glitch in our criminal justice system, a glitch we only have in the United States. And it basically says this. Felony murder rule. Any death which occurs during the commission of a felony is first-degree murder, and all participants in that felony can be charged with and found guilty of murder. Translation, if you commit a felony, and while that felony is happening, someone gets killed, you can be found guilty of murder. That's right, friends. You can be found guilty of murder if you didn't even plan it, if you didn't even do it, if you didn't even conduct it miles of way. And so I just want to thank um, Tony so much for coming on as she's advocating for her daughter and hundreds of others that are convicted under this law when they weren't they weren't convicted for the law they actually performed, but they're convicted for murder, which that wasn't anything that they even planned. Thank you, Tony, for coming on. Thank you for having me. Now, ladies, I got a shout out to my friends at Chocopee Prison. If you're listening in and to Megan, you guys know I love you. I wish I could be with you during this lockdown of COVID. Uh, I have been preaching there for over 20 years. And so uh, my heart goes out to you guys. Big hugs, big kisses. And I can't wait to see you again. We're here as well with Professor Mark. Thank you, Mark, for coming on with us. Uh, my pleasure. Mark, I just want to ask a couple questions of you since you're the legal expert. Sort of, you, know, you said that you do a clinic at St. Thomas University. Can you tell me briefly what that clinic is? 
Sure. My clinic is uh, does federal commutations, which means it's a part of the pardon power where the president of the United States has the ability to shorten a prison sentence. And so we represent people who are in prison. I have the, my students travel all over the country, mm-hmm. go into the prison, usually for the first time in their lives, meet with the clients, and then tell the rest of their story. For example, with Megan, the world may know, it was Tony's daughter, just the facts of that crime or just what the crime was. But there's a story before that. Mm-hmm. There's a story after that. And our job is to tell the rest of that story. And speaking of stories, we shared um, Tony's daughter's story, Megan, on the first show. You got to listen to it. It's heart ripping. Moms, if you're out there, you got to listen to this. Um, you know, we really need to come alongside um, women in this situation. Tony, can you share with me how many people are actually um, doing time for the felony murder lot where they didn't commit a, a murder? So one of the challenges is, right, the, the judicial system as a whole in Minnesota and most states, they do not, they put them all in the same pool, right? Everybody goes in the same pot. So it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if you convict, committed the crime or if you were a part of the crime mm-hmm. under the felony murder. So that has created this challenge on finding the exact number. Minnesota DOC has reported to us that they do keep track of this and that there are 473 persons currently serving under the Minnesota Department of Corrections for a felony murder homicide conviction. That they did not commit. They did not commit. That they t- Okay, so I, I just am imagining my typical listener out there, and they're like, well, okay, this doesn't concern me. You know, they're in prison. They, you know, do the time you did the crime. But they didn't commit murder, which is so much different than um, some of that. Why should they even care about this, Tony? A couple things, right? Lots of things, right? If you're a follower of Christ, you should be concerned about justice, mm-hmm. right? We are held responsible for ourselves, but how are we held responsible for? for the crimes of someone else. At the same time, as just a person who pays taxes, right, the Minnesota DOC, assuming their numbers are correct, we pay about $42,500 per person for cost of confinement. Out of your pocket, people. Each year, taxpayer dollars. 42000 per, per person. person. So that look, puts the number for felony murder per people currently serving, felony mm-hmm. murder that did not commit murder anyone, $21 million a year of the Minnesota DOC budget is felony murder. Just... We average, right? So we have people serving four years for this, and we have people serving life without parole for this. How is that even possible that you could spend two years in jail or you could die in prison for the same, basically, most of them, similar culpability. Mm -hmm. Most of them, similar crimes, different stories, similar pathways, right? We're looking at a number. The number we calculated is $635 million, and we believe that's conservative, to house these people that did not commit a murder, right? Mm. And that's not calculating in parole for those who will mm. get out, the cost of parole on the state. Well, Mark, um, you're kind of the professional law person of all of this. Again, help me understand why is this even happening and how can it be changed? Yeah, I mean, as I said in the last show, that it has long... Uh, ancient precedents. But the reason that it is still around is because prosecutors like it. What this does is- How can a prosecutor like it? Because prosecutors want to be sure to convict people. And part of the the formula is to flip people. That is to get people to testify on your side. And think how powerful it is if I go to someone who's under charge, someone like Megan, and say, we'll cut your sentence if you testify against someone else. Mm. 
Now, often they don't do that. Often they have a romantic relationship with the person or its family. And so they say, no, I won't do that. Well, the prosecutor's now made a promise. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, hit you with this hammer. They're going to keep their credibility. They have to do it. And that's how we end up with these sentences. And I I just want to follow up too on something you asked, you asked Tony, why should Christians care about Mm -hmm. this? I think it's important to, to recognize that for those of us of faith, what happened in Jesus's life is an accidental, that these are things that were written by God to show us not only individual lessons, but in a broad scope, what's important. And it matters that God chose that Jesus Christ be a criminal defendant. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole end of each gospel is about Christ as a criminal defendant. Mm-hmm. And we see Jesus directly confronting criminal issues, too. In John 8, he comes upon the legal execution of an adulteress, and he stops it. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't believe those things are important and shouldn't be important to us, you need to think about that broad scope of what we see in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think what's important to keep in mind in the forefront of our minds is what would what would God want us to do? And if someone's getting wrongly convicted for an older law that needs to be changed, it's outdated, it's not applicable. And there's so many people suffering on such long sentences, and they didn't even commit the actual crime. It's because that person... Uh, you know, the word would have been back in my day, narked, narked on them or squealed on them or told on them. And then they got the longer sentence than oftentimes the person who even committed the crime. Yeah. And we, we sometimes call those upside down cases where the less culpable person gets the higher sentence because they wouldn't uh, testify against someone else. And I'll tell you, this is has has a uh, uh, problem for women because disproportionately it's women who are convicted um, in these upside down cases where they're pressed to testify against someone else because of love or loyalty, they don't. And then the guy is happy to testify. And so the, the woman, despite being less culpable, ends up with a higher sentence. Oh, man, that's just wrong, ladies. What can we do? I mean, I know we can get into the details. You know, can you tell me if you would, please, uh, Professor, how far along have you guys gotten in this law? I mean, what's happening with it? How come it's not changed yet? Well, looking at it nationally, I mean, internationally, a lot has changed. As you recognize, we're the only country that has this. And there's some states that have come, uh, taken the lead. California limited, but didn't get rid of felony murder. So that you have to have a more direct role in the killing Mm -hmm. to be found guilty of felony murder. And they've seen the numbers of those cases really drop after they made that reform. So when people like Tony take the lead, in challenging this as a mom, right. Mm-hmm. And have these human stories. It really is prosecutors that are going to push back and they do have a lot of political power. I'm a former federal prosecutor myself. I understand that perspective, but this is something that in in the long run, the best advocates for change are going to be people like Tony that mm-hmm. have that human story that know the whole of it that should matter. And those of you who did not tune into part one, where we went into detail, um, Megan, hello to Megan. Megan's um, the daughter of Tony Cater, and um, she was convicted of murder. Um, she was convicted of murder oh, because she took a plea deal. She or took convicted. a plea deal. She took, okay, had to take, forced to take a plea deal. Oh, thank you for clarifying that. And um, and she was at the wrong place at the wrong time. And this person pulled out a gun and said, don't screw this up for us, basically. Is that right? Correct. And so she was under duress, uh, did not 
the intent was never to go to that place to have anybody harmed whatsoever, but to take back what was theirs. And yes, okay, so somebody's in a felony or in the middle of it. But if someone else decides to be a complete idiot and draw a gun and kill somebody else, I hate to be so blatantly honest about this. It's wrong that our babies and our kids are um, are being convicted of this when it's not their crime. Well, and one thing to note, as Mark touched on, this is inherently really... A- it's falling on women and young men of color, right? We know of the 473 currently serving under the Minnesota DOC. We have like 70% are persons of color. We know in California, their study found that 72% of the women serving life without parole did not kill anyone. What we percentage are, was that? 72. That was California. That is just right. Wrong. We're looking at probably a very similar number here in Minnesota, mm. right? We've got Marine, right? We've got Antoinette. They, neither of them were present when the murder happened. They were not in the building when the murder happened. They both got life without parole. The what- shooter in Marine's case got 40 years. He'll be out in 26. And he signed an affidavit saying she had no idea what was going to happen. Mm. Right. What about the people who live in other states? Um, Where is this um, currently, you know, uh, needing to be abolished? Anywhere that it's not abolished. uh, There are four states that abolished it altogether. And it's my understanding that was in the 70s and 80s, right? Before we got tough on crime, right, concept in this country. Uh, Right now, Florida is active in there is a family some families down there active in working on this and there's a senator down there uh, illinois right restore uh, restore justice illinois they are coming to change theirs pennsylvania minnesota mm-hmm. colorado has some um what's the holdup how come it hasn't happened here yet th- like mark said prosecutors have strong hold in the legal in the lawmaking system right mm-hmm. it's a tool they can use to con- to convict didn't you say to me one time and, and forgive me if i got this wrong that you got so far thinking it was going to pass and then it didn't so last year our bill that we brought was a an educational bill we wanted a task force around felony murder right we wanted to know the numbers and we wanted to bring all the stakeholders together from prosecutors to criminal the you know minnesota criminal defense attorneys and the victims rights groups let's sit down and mm-hmm. let's look at a restorative approach to these laws right we're not saying people who commit crimes shouldn't be a part, shouldn't be responsible for their crime, mm-hmm. but who is it benefiting? Who's benefiting from putting people, young people, away? More than fifty percent of these convictions are under the age of twenty-four for life, right? Mm-hmm. Or even ten years, twenty years, thirty years. No one's benefiting. The community mm-hmm. is not benefiting. We're paying for this, and then we're sending them out, labeled murderers, to try and build a life again, right? And so we tried to bring this task force bill forward. We passed through the House of Representatives all the way through on the omnibus bill. The Senate, we got nowhere. And we were bipartisan. Every single legislator and senator we met with and we told our story and we told them what was happening could not believe, right? And so in the Senate, we had a Republican author. In the House, we had a Democratic author. But we had... Both sides, all the way down the line, we had six of the nine people in the mm. in Minnesota. It's the Public Safety Committee in the Senate. We had six of the nine we met with all supported us. We could not get a hearing in the Senate. Oh, my gosh. Don't you think, though, too, Professor, that it's mainly awareness? A lot of people don't even know this is a problem. Yeah, and that's the thing is that the, those legislators, the people in the Senate in, in Minnesota that we dealt with, it's not on their agenda. 
because mm-hmm. they don't hear about it from their constituents. Okay. And that's where everybody can come into play, especially in state legislatures. You know, they're not like members of Congress who are flooded with mail all the time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take that many people to make a difference. And and that's where we come in. I mean, I met Tony because she called me up and showed up in my office and and to <laughs> talk to about go, this. Mom. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm a little like bulldog. Once I, I love sink it. in mm-hmm. my teeth, I, I love don't it. Let go. And she convinced me that this was something that needed to happen. And so it's person to person to mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. But you know, here in Minnesota, which is typical of a lot of states, we had we just had elections and the margins were very narrow, mm-hmm. and that means that our legislators are attentive. When we make our voices heard, yeah. and this is something where I mean, all all Tony was asking for was let's study this, let's have a blue ribbon panel that will examine it, that will encompass all the sides of it. Yeah, how do you say no to that? Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to change. Okay, so ladies, I want to make this perfectly clear: we're not doing this just for um, jollies. We're doing this because it's really important we get the word out. Now we have a voice, and if you're listening, you have a voice. And I think that's the most important thing, um, that we have a voice for our babies, for our kids, for our uncles, for our cousins, for our, you know, it doesn't even matter who it is. Eventually, it's getting to the point at the rate of incarceration that you will have someone in your family that you know who's been incarcerated or who uh, may be incarcerated. And again, we're one bad decision away from prison. And justice is justice. I think they need to, if they do the crime, they got to do the time, but not where it's not right. Not where it's off balance, not where they become the scapegoat, basically, for someone else's crime, and then they have to do that time. Not where you're appeasing the prosecutors, but instead, we have to remember that we're Christian women. Okay, so we're going to get to the heart of this and what this is all about. If you're just tuning in, the show's called Convicted for Murder Without Committing the Crime, and um, I want you to go on our YouTube uh, video, if you would, and watch the whole entire uh, video that we have from the New York Times on this. It's only a six-minute video, but boy, it just really struck my heart, and we played just a little bit of it at the beginning of this. Um, Tony, what steps can our listeners take um, if they want to get involved or if they want to help, assist, and support you? So speaking back to Mark, right, voices, right? Our our elected officials listen to their constituents, right? When it's something of concern and people say it. So and that's going, you ladies. Yep. So going to, if you're in Minnesota, go to fmlr.org. That is our, our page. You can read stories about those impacted, amazing stories of people doing, persons incarcerated that mm-hmm. are um, exemplary people that in our communities will do amazing things and they're they're being locked away under this. So go to our website. You can read the stories. You can see that video there as well. There is a petition to sign to say this is wrong and we these laws need to change. At the website. At the website. There is, if you're in Minnesota, there is a link to find your elected official and there's going to be a template there that you can email your elected official. There's going to be a template of a, a basic scenario of what you can call and say. But what I the call to action I would say is these are the walls of Jericho and our collective voices will bring them down. Mm. So if you're in a prayer group, if you're in a church group, if you're a part of a church, gather together as Christians, send one letter with everyone's signature, have everyone send a letter, have everyone call. That is who our elected officials are going to listen to. That is what we need to do for them to become aware that this is a problem and the people of Minnesota and across this nation they want justice. We all want justice. Mm-hmm. I want justice. 
If you had charged my daughter with burglary, I would have, wouldn't have thought twice about it. But you charged her with first-degree murder as if she killed someone. Mm-hmm. And I believe this is my Esther moment. I have been brought here to this point in my life because the fact is my daughter's coming home in six years. No matter what, my daughter's coming home. But Maureen's not coming home. And Coley's not coming home. And Roberto's not coming home. And Antoinette's not coming home. And I can't live with that. Mm-hmm. And so I will continue to fight, and I pray that the listeners here and the people around this state and around this country will rise up together to say, we deserve better. Because if this could happen to my daughter, we're just an average little family doing our little thing. If this can happen to my daughter and Brianna and Noah and Al, this can happen to anyone. Our kids make bad decisions. We all do. And you're a moment a moment from that drug deal gone wrong and somebody is dead and now your child's being charged with murder and going away. It's just, it's unacceptable. It's an unacceptable. You know, it just breaks my heart. It does. And um, with the few minutes that we have left, um, Professor Mark, can you share with me, how can our friends get a hold of you if they want more information or they want to talk to you possibly about um, some of the clinics that you're doing? Sure. My email, which I don't mind giving out, is mark with a K dot O-S-L-E-R at St. Thomas, S-T-T-H-O-M-A-S dot E-D-O. And I field uh, questions all the time and I'm happy to do it because that's part of my vocation. You know, I would love if you're open to this, Now I hate to put you on the spot, but arm twisting is part of my vocabulary. I would love it if you'd come back again sometime, and I'd love to hear more about the clinics and about what you guys are doing at um, St. Thomas. Is it St. Thomas University or University of St. Thomas? I want to make sure I get it right. Yes, University of St. Thomas. University of St. Thomas. You think I'd know. I I live here. Um, And thank you so much for your time and your consideration and coming here and sharing. Um, Do you have any words of wisdom for our listeners before we part? Yeah, and that is, I think for a lot of people, the hard thing is to see someone who's been convicted of a crime as fully human and deserving of, of grace. And I want to recommend a book that my friend Jean Bishop wrote a book called Change of Heart. Her family was murdered. Her beloved sister, her brother-in-law, and their unborn child were killed by a 16-year-old. Oh, man. And you can imagine the struggle. Mm-hmm. But she, as a, a Christian woman, did an incredible job of describing the struggle um, within criminal law to see even those who are convicted of the worst crimes is, is human. I think that's just such great wisdom. Thank you so much. Can you re- repeat for me and our listeners the name of that book? Yeah, it's Change of Heart, and her name is Jean Bishop. She also has a more recent book called Grace from the Rubble that's about uh, the father of a woman who died in the Oklahoma City bombing mm-hmm. and the father of Timothy McVeigh. Mm. and how they reconciled. I'm going to have mm. to connect with her as well. She would be amazing to listen to. She would. Um, Tony, as a mom, I love you. And my heart just breaks for what you're going through. And I see the other side of the fence when I go in and share the gospel with these women. And uh, these women are beautiful. And they're sober and thinking straight, possibly some of them for the first time. And they just want another chance in life. And I really think that that's what we need to do. Friends, I want you to go to their website, F, F as in Frank, M as in Mom, L is in Love, and R as Restore, fmlr.org, a felony murder law reform. And I want you to sign the petition if God is prompting your heart. I want you to take a call to action 
and get a hold of your legislature. Write them letters. It doesn't matter what state you're in. Chances are this your state has not changed this yet because it is an outdated law. And Tony, can you share with us, how can we be praying for you? Yeah, you know, this is a David and Goliath moment. <laughs> you know, this is a big one. Everybody we met with when we started meeting with law professors, they were like, well, good luck, Mom. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. Um, so, you know, but I believe that our God is a God of justice. Amen. And so praying that he can, can just swing wide the doors. This is his mountain to move. This isn't mine. This Amen. is his. But you're the voice piece. So I thank you so much. And ladies, you have unbelievable power mm-hmm. when you say yes to Jesus and invite the Holy Spirit into your life. I know that God can do great things in and through each one of us. And just like Tony Cater, I want you to rise up and do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. Thank you so much, Professor Mark and Tony Cater, for coming on. Ladies, in Shakopee Prison and prisons throughout the United States, you know I love you. This is Shugbury, over and out. Hey, ladies. This is Shugbury, and I'm the host of Him for Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. I am so glad that you have found our show amongst the millions of podcasts that are out there. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, would you please do me a favor? Like it, rate it, thumbs up. We're on YouTube as well, so don't forget to find us there. You can watch our guests also. Please subscribe so you don't miss a show. We also have started Him for Her Crazy Testimonies. And each of our guests that we have on the show shares their personal testimony, how they receive Christ in their life. This is Shug Burry. You know I love you. Over and out.